Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Episode of Wait For It, Millennial Money. So uh, we're excited to start off today. We're going to be talking about exactly what's going on in the markets, the future of stocks, the future of real estate, uh, what we're investing in in 2022, and now five stocks that we're all really excited about. So with that said, how, how is that for an intro? It's a good intro. Great, Graham. I like it. 10 out of 10. You know what? Oh, my God, Jeremy. You know, you know who you remind me of? You know Curious George? <laughs> Yeah. You know the, the, the guy, the the guy who has them. I forget what is what's his name. What's what's what, his name? Yeah, Kevin, pull up the curious George guy. Oh. Jeremy, you are dressed exactly like him. The guy in the hat. Yeah, I was going for that. I was going for that. Thanks for catching that, Graham. Oh so. <laughs> man, was he, a... man in the yeah, yeah, man in the yellow hat. Manny, yeah, man also... in the yellow hat. Oh, he had a yellow hat. Dang it. Yeah. It was so close. I was looking yeah. at a cartoon monkey for a second there. I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin God. seems very confused right now. Well, I I think, I no. Is it this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so mean. Anyway, Jeremy, we're, we're, I'm glad to see well, you matching the car. Thank you. Thank you. And we're glad to see you back this week, Graham. And um, speak of, hey, there oh, there go. he is. <laughs> That's it. Come there, on. Yes. That's we, we deserve epic. a thumbs up for that, guys. And somebody <laughs> hit the subscribe button for that. Wait a minute. Kevin. Kevin. That was inappropriate. Let, let's talk about Joe Biden. Okay. So, <laughs> no, no, you brought up Biden. Kevin, did you see what Elon said about Biden's new plan here and uh, his... He doesn't like it from what I'm hearing. Not, not a big fan. Did you see that? Yeah, not at all. Elon's not very happy. In fact, uh, one of the representatives was just on Twitter and I immediately trolled them because they're, they're like, oh, retweet if you think we should pass the Build Back Better plan. And I immediately commented, Elon says no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, wait, explain it to us because I haven't actually seen this. So there's subsidies for people who work under the union? Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, there's so many things in the plan. It's a massive uh, infrastructure package. It's the uh, social infrastructure plan, right? So uh, paid leave for Americans paid for by the government. You've got uh, an extension of the child tax care credit in there. You have, uh, gosh, you've got the EV tax credits, $7,500 for an electric vehicle, unless it's manufactured with Union labor, U.S. union labor, union labor. Then you get an extra forty-five hundred dollars, which was basically just written by GM and Ford. So uh, it's no surprise that Elon doesn't love it. But even beyond that, he makes this really interesting argument that, you know, hey, maybe if, if maybe you don't need to subsidize electric vehicles at all, just stop subsidizing uh, gas stations and let the free market take over. And I thought it was a brilliant argument of just like, hey, stop subsidizing oil, stop subsidizing ED, EVs. And then let uh, whatever makes the most uh, economic sense win. 
I thought his argument was we wouldn't be doing this for gas pumps, so why do it for EVs? That's what I thought his argument was. Well, in so many words, it is, but we do subsidize oil. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it goes both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I could see the you push know, towards cleaner energy, though. I mean, I could see how the government would want to give that a bit of a kickstart. And that's why they're doing it. But yeah. I think Elon is more broadly saying – I think he has more dissatisfactions with the total amount of spending of uh, the, the social infrastructure package because it, it is more uh, spending by the government. Now, the argument is that, hey, we're closing a bunch of, uh, you know, we're increasing taxes on certain individuals. We're closing loopholes. But when you actually look at some of the parts of the bill, what's very frustrating is they'll say, OK, we're going to do uh, – t- um, what do they do? We're going to do 10 years worth of services, like 10 years worth of new healthcare services, let's say. And we're going to cut tax loopholes for, say, five years of that. Uh, and, and so they're they're really only uh, paying for parts and not for all uh, for the entire 10 year length at all times. So I think it's frustrations like that. I got I got to look up my exact example. Maybe I can get my other flow chart. But uh, I think that's an example of Elon Musk's frustration. So, so well, Kevin, you'd be kind of the, the best person to ask for this, but is so, so I guess uh, Biden's kind of using uh, Jerome's like hawkishness, right, to leverage the Build Back Better plan. So, it, overall, though, is that you think a deflationary pressure more so, or do you think it's kind of inflationary in the short term? I know long term it'll create deflationary pressure, but in the short term, which way do you think it's going to go? The Build Back Better plan? Gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the belief now is that. If, if you sp- start spending money, $300 billion extra per year, sure, you take from here, you give over here. Anytime you create a bigger government, you create inefficiencies, you create deadweight loss. So I, I would say it's probably more net inflationary because even mm-hmm. if you take $300 billion from one place by taxing uh, and you spend $300 billion on something else and it seems like it's par, you're probably creating a 15 to 20 percent inefficiency in the market. So you're really you're really costing people an extra 60 billion dollars just because of government inefficiency. Uh, so uh, and, and the inefficiency of taxation in general, not saying there shouldn't be taxation, but I would say, if anything, it's more inflationary. If you look at the trajectory of where we're likely to be heading, though, we're going to have a pretty gnarly inflation report on Friday that'll come in pretty ugly and high, maybe as high as 6.7 percent year over wow. year. So we're going to have a lot of negative headlines about inflation for a while going forward but i think the trajectory is still deflation over the next within the next decade it's interesting uh i have so many questions for this because i was just talking to a friend of mine about building a property potentially and we were just specking out the home and we were arguing about what the future would look like and i like i'm a huge believer that inflation is going to be a huge problem but the more i talk to him the more i'm like man now i don't know which way we're going to go because I don't know. After the after we stop uh, tapering, um, after the money is going to get pulled back uh, with, with this plan, I don't know. Do you think that we could have some kind of a deflationary slowdown? Like how long does it take for the economy to feel the effects of the taper? 18 months. 18 but- Okay. Yeah. So, so, and that's one of the risks about potentially starting to taper now, because what happens if inflation is lower, substantially lower in 18 months, and then the effects of the taper take effect, right? And then you're kind of like double slowing down the economy and you, you potentially overcorrect to the wrong side. Uh, but uh, they'll just end up printing more money. <laughs> you know, they can always lower rates again. They've done it before. They did it in 2018. I, like I feel like a lot of it, though, is supply chain labor shortages. That's what, yeah. isn't that a significant amount of what we're seeing? 
Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. No, I mean, I mean, yeah. that's that's the short term pressure that we're seeing right now. It's more of just the. I think Andre's question was, "Hey, like, if, if, if we taper now, what what when, when do we see that? Right? Uh, and I think we'll see that impact of of basically uh, maybe raising rates this summer or whatever, eighteen months late. And right. uh, at at that point, I would expect inflation to to be substantially lower, the supply chain issues to be mostly resolved. I mean, even you've even got Southeast Asian countries uh, right now that that are already saying hey like we're ready bring on bring on the next wave of covid like we cleaned up our factories we're prepared for covid now we're not going to shut down anymore so uh, you know i think the inflection point is here on inflation but it's it's not going to show up in the data for a little longer but it's just if if we're seeing all of this like press as far as you know uh increasing interest rates and maybe supply chains aren't resolved until maybe the end of next year there's gonna be a lot of negative press would that slow the capital velocity to the point where it could create that fear to where it's like, uh, maybe we don't spend money. And so if anything, it's like, it slows down the capital velocity to work to the point where that could create that deflationary pressure. Mm, if people stop spending money. Uh, yeah. mm, well, I don't know, because you, if you're, you're asking if people think, uh, can you rephrase the question? You're asking if people believe what? If, if people believe the economy is in a bubble or things mm. are too high, you know, it's like overpriced, like I can't afford a house, I can't, you know, it's getting ridiculous. And so they stop spending money, they start saving it, slows down capital velocity. Does that create? Yeah. 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 I think uh, most humans, and it's just a psychological thing, are incredibly short sighted. And uh, the flavor of the day is the flavor of the year. Uh, is always what it feels like. So when there's inflation, there's hyperinflation. When there's uh, a market, uh, you know, the S and P drops two or three percent. That's it. This is this is it. The, the market's crashing. It's three months of hell that we're going to be getting through. Uh, that is very very typical. It's worth being aware of the, that sort of sentiment because usually what lasts and what's really or like what feels like it's happening in front of us doesn't last. Is, is what I mean to say. Like stocks are going euphoric doesn't last. They always come back down. And I think the same thing happens with spending. So to answer your question, no, I, I think people are just going to keep spending money. They're going to look at their bank account and go, hmm, my stocks are up, my retirement account's up, You know, maybe my pay went up a little bit. They're just going to spend, spend, spend. I think in 2022, uh, and this actually ties into our title a little bit, buy now, pay later is going to be the most popular investment and probably the will soon become one of the most profitable because people are going to be so short on money but they want to sustain that 2021 lifestyle they had you know buy now pay later everything you just want to make sure you're not in those stocks when a recession comes because that's the first thing people are going to stop spending money on i'm just worried about that that uh i i know with some of these companies it would seem easy that if they have a credit card already they'd just be able to implement the buy now pay later themselves or if there's some sort of system that anyone could just slap their name on, then all of a sudden, you know, the places I could buy coral from could do the buy now, pay later. Like anybody would be able to do this at some point. Well, they'll still use oh, a company to be that middleman though, you know, whether that's a PayPal or a firm or, or whoever. So it's not like the, the coral companies personally going to, you know, do that. They're going to have a middleman there. But, uh, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think you, what you guys are talking about, I, I don't know, man. I think you guys might be uh, a little too much in the finance community because I think you think everybody has stock accounts and everybody looks at their right. stocks and, like, they make buying decisions based upon looking at their portfolios. I'm going to just tell you 80 to 90 percent of Americans aren't doing that. They look at their bank account and they say, you know, can I spend money, right? Do I have well, money well, to spend? That's my point. 
okay. and, and I don't want to cut you off. It's, it's that it's it's a combination of everything. It's uh, hey, like I, I, my opinion is that people are going to take all of the leftover stimulus money they have, or the child tax credit and stuff. All that stuff's going out the door immediately. Like you say, what's in the bank account going out the freaking door. The little bit that people get in a raise, I guarantee you, they're probably spending twice that. They get a five percent raise, they're spending ten percent more. You know what I mean? I'll keep keep going, but I I'm on the same page as you so far. Yeah, no, uh, you, yeah, it's just kind of the point I was making there. You know, if you're going to buy a new iPhone, it's based upon if you got the money, right? And uh, with rents, the way they've been going up, that that's, I think, definitely uh, hurting some folks. I mean, these rents have gone insane. A lot of people renting, probably more people now than ever, right? And then obviously gasoline prices have been very, very high recently. So that that's hurting uh, folks that have a limited amount of money to spend, right? Which is the, the middle class. And so, yeah, I mean, those are factors. And I know we have spoke about those last couple of weeks. And that's why I think 22 is a really important year to watch. Just keep an eye on the middle class and what happens there. The hope is that gas prices come down, rents stop going up, or at least stop going up at the rate they've been going up. Some of these markets have just gone insane. I was watching a Kathy Wood, uh, you know, uh, basically kind of like an interview type thing she did in Miami yesterday. Uh, on Bloomberg, and they were talking about, you know, how much Miami rents have gone up. And even, you know, a, a billionaire in the real estate market over there, he's like, this isn't sustainable. Like, this is insane. So well, that's, um, that's what hopefully. I was going to say. I, I feel like we're a little bit underestimating people's ability to just say like, hey, this is getting ridiculously expensive. I'm not going to, you know, take out money now to, to buy it later. I'm just going to save. I don't know. I feel like we learned a lot from 2020, 2019 that people are not going to be as risk uh, they're not going to take that much risk. They're, they're still going to be more focused on saving money if things get out of control. So I don't know. It could go either way. But I think Kevin's uh, frozen. Oh, I think so, too. Wait a second. Kevin has not moved. Was my connection, too. I was like, is this is better? Yes. Yeah, yeah. better. <laughs> I don't Kevin, your ready. hair is slowly getting less red, I just noticed. As the market yeah. goes up, his hair turns <laughs> back to green. <laughs> basically. True. <laughs> it's the hair index. The, the hair index. Oh my goodness, hey, Kevin, we we gotta we gotta say it, man. You were down in Mexico. What was going on down in Mexico, man? Spending lots of money, just having fun. <laughs> it's the best isn't thing. it cheap? Isn't it cheap to spend money down there? Well, we spent sixty thousand dollars in four days. So, oh no. my gosh, Kevin, are you serious? Wait, are you counting the flight in that too? Hell yeah. <laughs> What do you, you mean are. the flight? What's the flight going to be like? A two grand, three grand to get that? Well, it was no, fifteen. It's twenty-eight grand. Wait, 20. what? How yeah. many people went? Eight. Oh, okay. Well, all right. That's fair. Um, wow. Still though, where's where's the other fifty-two come from? <laughs> oh, thirty-two. Uh, 30, well, 30, 40 or 60. Uh, hotel excursions. Uh, very expensive coffee because they rip you off at the resorts. <laughs> Lots of my ties. What? Oh my gosh. How much was the resort? Uh, probably 15, 18, something like that. Holy crap. Maybe it was more. It could have, it could have been like 20. Nice. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I didn't pay. Lauren, didn't pay. Lauren handled it all. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, I paid it. I just right. didn't pay it. <laughs> right. Oh, my Kevin. God. Well, good, yeah. Good time. Worth oh it? Oh, my gosh. It was great. Of course it was worth it. Next Even time. You missed the, but you missed the dip yesterday. I don't care. So it was that sorry, plus. That's, that's like an hour of Kevin's time. That's like an hour. Ah, I was snorkeling. It was great. I, I I made money on that trip. That's for sure. 
That's awesome. Evan, next time you want to take a trip, come to Vegas with 60K, okay? I'm going to give you all the drinks you want at my house. I will make you everything you want, and we'll play poker with that 60,000. We'll have so much fun, all right? It's just and I your money. Jeremy's already <laughs> yeah. down enough with Tattooed Chef, so uh, you can take a little <laughs> I, need, I need a 60K however I can get it, man. I'll take it. No. <laughs> But good for you in all seriousness, Kevin, although that's an insane amount you spent. I mean, it's good to see you take a vacation because I always say you're always in that purple room, man. You never get out of the house. So it's good to see you outside the house. (laughs) Thank you. Wait, what's TTCF doing right now? I got to see this. I have to see this. We don't don't even have to talk about it, do we? I mean, you know. Jeremy, I saw your video today. I saw Tattooed Chef and Corsair were, were the most shorted stocks in the market. Well, not the most shorted, but two of the top. Yeah, yeah, two of the top fifteen most shorted stocks in the stock market are TTCF and Corsair. The shorts are literally pretty much all in those stocks in terms of shorting. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's interesting as as those stocks go down. I've been, you know, obviously just buying heavier and heavier and heavier. Meanwhile, the shorts has just been shorting more and more and more and. Oh, it's going to be entertaining to see what happens in 22 and beyond. But um, wait, is it fair to say that $15 is like the support line here? Am I looking at this right? It's gone down to 15, 16 range many times. Yeah, it's okay. probably at least three or four. I mean, it hasn't even been a public company that long, year and a yeah. half roughly or so. And it's been okay. down there three, four times. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the shorts are all in, man. But the, the shorts have nothing to worry about right now. Tattoo Chef would have to go to 18 plus, in my opinion, to see any sort of squeeze. Because I think a lot of shorts has shorted at 18, 17, 16. And so I think at any price, even if it was to go up to 17, I still don't think they're scared. 18, uh, maybe they start to think 19 and above. I think that's where you could get potentially a big movement. But right now they're okay. Corsair, same exact thing. It would have to go to probably 25, 26 for I think now, a lot of the shorts to consider covering. Jeremy, how much money is that? Can, uh, do you know, like an aggregate, if you were to invest it in that stock, how how much would you need to move it to like, let's say $20? So an extra $5, 33% or so. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It would be a, a large amount. I, something right. substantial would have to come out with those companies, um, like a like a huge earnings beat um, or or a new exciting partnership. And sometimes it can come out of just nowhere, right? And that's kind of the, share, the scary thing about being short, especially smaller caps. You know, Tattoo Chef is one point two billion, Corsair is two billion ish. So um, yeah, it's a you know, and Corsair is down to a one price to sales ratio now. You know, and and Tattoo Chef, uh, Tattoo Chef, the only thing you could maybe short it based upon is valuation, even though that's come down a ton. And it's never a good idea to short based upon valuation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ask ask the folks that, you know, shorted Tesla or or a lot of high growth companies over time. If Tattoo Chef can keep growing like a beast, you don't short those type of companies because it's just... I remember last time, what was it last week? I think we talked about like how, how much money you would need to, to move the market. Is it like one to five dollars or is that something else? Like if the if the market cap's one point two billion, is that like you know, to move it thirty percent, is it thirty percent of one point two billion? Or no. It, like, it depends on volume, liquidity. Right. Uh, the the five dollar one dollar five dollar thing was um, new money. So a right. new mm-hmm. five dollar or what it was it, a new one dollar in the market is almost kinda like five dollars a market cap. Right. But, it, yeah. you know, part of that, I think, is it's kind of like, you know, SPACs, they go public and they're like, oh, we're, we're raising $100 million at a $7 billion valuation or something like that. And it's like, 
you know, 100 mil just basically created out of thin air $7 billion of net worth mm. in some cases, right? It, it's just the way stock valuation works. And so a little bit of money can, can create a lot if it's new money and new valuation. Speaking of SPACs, did you guys see the Trump SPAC? Yes. The one what, with the uh, uh, SEC uh, investigation? Yes, yes. I mean, don't don't a lot of these get investigated anyway? I'm yes. sure they do, yeah. Lucid is. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it just seems uh, like a sensationalized headline that, that, you know, it's pretty common. It would happen to a lot of SPACs. It just so happens that it's this, then it get the headlines, get the people going. Get the people going. Kevin, I just sent you over uh, that that sh- most uh, shorted stocks list. That'd be fun to pull up on the mm. screen, and we could we oh, could wow. show those because I don't think a lot of people ever see that, like the most shorted okay. stocks in the market right yeah, now. Yeah, I'll pull that out. I did uh, also in the meantime. Uh, Andre was looking for the support line. I, I just figure I I'll show it to you really quick. It's it's right here. Mm. It's this uh, this this blue one right here. Okay, what is that at? Oh, oh that's zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's cute. All right. All right, one second. You got me. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. That was okay. low, Kevin. That was low. <laughs> yeah, zero is low. <laughs> Eric, I'll got- make you full screen. All right, so what do we got here? Um don't know what some of these things are, but that's interesting. Go. Look at that. Blink charging, Beyond Meat, Big Five Sporting Goods, you know, some pharmas in here, Bit Digital, not to be confused with Big Digital, Lemonade. Oh, interesting. Arkimoto, GoGo, uh, Beam. Isn't that a charging company too? I'm not sure. Tattoo Chef Corsair. Oh, look, Workhorse Canoeer in here as well. Smile Direct. Wow. Huh. How is Tesla? Has Tesla been on that list? Like, I'm sure it has, but I mean, Tesla. Probably in the past. Oh, yeah. Tesla's pretty low short now. Tesla yeah. was, I think it was 2019. I think it was the most shorted stock in the market. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Oh. I don't even know. Yeah, what you could say. always create an inverse fund. I just want battles. That's the thing. I get bored in life. So I'm like, what are the most shorted stocks out there? Okay, let me let me buy those. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I, I don't know who's shorting these stocks. Think about it, right? If you, if you short a stock, it makes sense to short like a Nikola, right? That was pre-revenue company that was like, they're going to do this huge stuff or or I could even understand people shorting like a Fisker or one of those companies that have so much to prove. Lucid maybe even a little bit because uh, they have so much to prove, right? And a massive, massive crazy valuation, right? But it's another to, to short a stock like Corsair that's at a 15 forward PE that's at a about a one price to sales ratio and has a super like sustainable business that's been around for 20 plus years in the hardware space in streaming gaming, right? Or even a tattoo chef that's now at about a five forward price to sales ratio now that has massive growth. Like, you know, I don't know. I just don't think those are those are uh, the cup of tea. But, you know, I'm not a short seller. So who knows? I mean, I I agree. The uh, look, canoe 
has has a serious potential bankruptcy risk. This is a company that that is having substantially difficult times uh, proving that they can actually manufacture a vehicle. They went to the LA Auto Show and had the whole thing like glass cordoned off so nobody could actually go in the vehicle. It's like, oh yeah, that's not sus at all. You know, you guys are trying to manufacture a car. Like even Lucid uh, did did showrooms with cars you could go into, right? Canoe's the opposite of that right now. So so there's a bankruptcy risk. Workhorse is almost in the similar boat once they lost that USPS contract. Uh, some of these, I think, do have legit bankruptcy concerns uh, in the longer term. Even Smile Direct with the litigation, I, I don't I don't think they're going anywhere. But, uh, you know, litigation doesn't turn out the right way. There, there, there are potential issues there. But I agree, Jeremy. Something like Corsair, uh, even Tattooed Chef, Lemonade, Beyond Meat, most shorted stuff. I mean, hey... I think these are people who have made money riding them down, but uh, some of these shouldn't be on this list, I don't think. Yeah. What, what happens from the short side is they get FOMO, no different than the longs. If we go back a year ago, right, to December mm. 2020 into January 2021, there was massive FOMO in the market. It was buy everything that is the most speculative stock, the highest growth, because those stocks were skyrocketing. You couldn't tell anybody about valuation. You couldn't tell anybody about anything, right? It was just getting the next one. So everybody had that sort of FOMO. And I feel like these short sellers have the same type of FOMO. And they're like, hey, these shorts have been working. Pile on, pile on, pile on, pile on. And they're shorting these stocks to the sky. And it's like, you know, like what are they they hoping to get? Another extra 10, 20%? This is not sustainable in those stocks. And maybe they can get in. Maybe Corsair goes down to 17, 18, and Tattoo Chef goes down to 12 or whatever. Uh, But it, it, it seems like a way bigger risk than on the flip side. Smile the Rec Club. This stock could go from two bucks to to six bucks in a matter of a month. You know what I mean? Like, I think that one is one of those that probably deserves to be on the most shorted list because of their bad cash flow situation and it's a higher risk. But you are playing with fire in a lot of those uh, short positions. I feel like there's a lot of stocks out there that are much safer shorts than those, right? I would consider, I'd go as far as to say I would be uh, considered short an Apple before I short a lot of these stocks. Uh-huh. And, uh, because you know Apple's not going to just going to double up, right? Apple's not going from two point seven trillion dollar market cap to five point four next year, right? So if I'm going to short, I'd rather short something like that. That it's like a you know it's trading really rich right now. Maybe it comes down 20 percent versus some of those stocks when all of a sudden you could get doubled up in a matter of a one, a month or a few weeks. It's mm-hmm. is dangerous, but the shorts like to play with fire. Jeremy, um, which uh, metric do you place more of a weight on? Uh, price to earnings or price to sales? It depends on the stock because if it's an unprofitable company, they don't even have earnings you know, or at least positive earnings at a given time, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, if it's a profitable company, I'll look more at forward P. That's more important. If it's um, an unprofitable company, what I'm really trying to figure out is where I see their net income going over the next three years, five years. Right. Like I can see them getting to this and this revenue. They probably hit this and this margin. And so this much revenue can flow down to the net income. Um, and so that's what I kind of look at for, you know, a lot of those companies. And so with like a tattoo chef, I can see them getting to like, you know, uh, anywhere from a hundred mil on the low end to 200 mil net income within the next five years. A Corsair, I think is going to, I don't think their, their net income is going to increase nearly that, that rapidly, but I think they're going to be able to sustain what they have, if not grow by 50% over the next five years. So yeah, you know, I, it's I only ask different. because I can't relate back and be like, well, Bitcoin has a price to sales ratio of blah, but we yeah. still extrapolate a couple of years out and say, well, hey, considering countries are buying and this is buying and people are buying a limited quantity asset, then it's going to go up. But uh, yeah. I can't really translate it to PE or yeah. PS ratios. 
No, and I, I can understand that. And for the market in general, I mean, the market in general looks at usually a trailing PE. So if you're going to say like the market's rich, it's usually a trailing PE you look at uh, for like the S&P 500. So which is the past four quarters of earnings, right. which I think is somewhat of a broken metric, especially if you're coming off a year like a Rony Rona year where where numbers were all oh, screwed yeah. up. Right. So um, well, wasn't that metric know. based on value stocks initially, like mostly it was based on the value model? Like yes. Days and and, yeah. Yes. And that's that. Yeah. It's a great point, Andre. And that's why value investors have so much trouble looking at growth stocks. And that's why a value investor, if they look at a Tesla, yeah, <laughs> they're automatically going to say Tesla's massively overvalued. If yes. they're going to look at any sort of unprofitable company, they're going to say this is massively overvalued because you can't put a PE on it. And then if you do put a PE on it, I mean, Tesla's probably trading at a 400 PE right now, right? And a value investor is going to look at that and they're going to be like, that's the biggest ripoff in the world. I'm not paying that. Or if they're going to look at a Netflix. And um, that was my problem for so long. I just like could not look at growth stocks. <laughs> like, I mean, I get it, future maybe, but uh, I would just pay me some cash and I'll look at my dividend stocks. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember being in the market like 2010, 2011. I was looking at Amazon and I looked at Amazon. I was like, oh my gosh, this company, you know, I, I love this future, but it looks so overvalued. You know, I don't know. Amazon's probably gone up 20x or 30x or 40x since that time, right? You can't really look at it from that that context. But it's interesting, Andre, because you know, you you you're not as open to like growth stocks. But then you look at something like Bitcoin, which is yeah. you know a lot of people would consider a, a bigger risk yeah. thing. But you, you understand that. more speculative. Yeah, arguably much more speculative. But that's why I'm saying like I've diversified my risk position, not necessarily my stock position just yet between growth and, and income. Yeah, Amazon, by the way, is four hundred dollars back in uh, two thousand fifteen. In two thousand fifteen, okay. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure when I was looking at it back in the day, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, I think it was probably a fifty dollars stock, maybe. Uh, no, so two thousand ten, it was one twenty. Was it one twenty to one fifty? Two thousand ten, two thousand nine, it was seventy. Okay. <laughs> I hate reading those articles when they're like, if you had invested a hundred dollars into Apple back in 1998, you would have 50 billion. It's like, thank you. <laughs> Let me go build yeah, my time. No, I like those ones. Put $20,000 here and now it would be worth $7 million. But people do that with Bitcoin. Had you just invested a hundred dollars in Bitcoin, now you would have $68 million. I don't understand the point of that article. Like, thank you. I will know that now. <laughs> it gets a lot of people clicking though, but I think what most people forget is that uh, you know the chances of you actually holding all that way? Like, imagine investing a hundred dollars and you're at a hundred grand. Yeah. I bet ninety nine percent of people would sell to turn a yeah. hundred dollars to a hundred grand. Even more people would sell at a million dollars. They would. They no would have sold that. Yeah, way yeah. before that. The only people that kept their Bitcoin from 09 are the people that either lost their coins or like their, their wallet access, and then they found it later. Yeah, or they just forgot somehow, but. Kevin, quit recording a video right now. We're just doing millennial money, man. I'm trying to find the little Bloomberg key thing so I can look. Oh, your 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 mic, Kevin, lost. Your, your, your mic is all off. Yeah, um, like I think you lost it. I think you had a lapel mic. You probably lost it because I hear shuffling when you were jigging. Yeah. Going out. Nope. No, I think some something fell off. Like, were you on a lapel mic? No. no, Kevin. When you when you lean down, we heard some ruffling, and then your your audio cut out. Yeah, that's it. Whatever that is. Is it better now or no? No. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I heard something, Kevin, it said something about like this deal ends tonight and uh, the price always goes up tomorrow. And oh, yeah. You better Isn't get it, it now or you're going to. A discount code money. or it's like 75% off. <laughs> you. you sure you can't hear me? I can hear you, but it's really bad. It's like yeah, it sounds like, it sounds really like the echoey. microphone is very far, like it's three feet away at least from yeah. right now. Yeah, sounds like you're talking into a, a oh, mug. Oh, oh. Switch switch your audio maybe source. I think you might have accidentally pressed a button, so your audio source has come from somewhere else maybe. Yeah, and, ju and just just keep talking. That? Yes. Yeah, that. that's it. Wow. It so I was bringing my little uh, my bag over from Mexico and I was getting my little Bloomberg key thing so I could log in and get the short interest data for Jeremy and these stocks we're going to talk about. And uh, it just auto connected to my Apple headset in that bag, which is really annoying. <laughs> oh, weird. All right. Well, that was it. I, I don't want to know what bag you got from Mexico, Kevin. I know what bag you probably came back. 60,000 spent over there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, customs doesn't <laughs> check the plane. <laughs> when you fly private. <laughs> you still got that private jet, Kevin? What happened with that? No, I mean, it's just like I do the, the hourly uh, rental things. And um, the cool thing about that is, uh, well, not much anymore, given that they don't sell you hours anymore because there's so much inflation and so many people <laughs> using them. That NetJets is like, yeah, everybody's cut off from buying new hours. Like you can't wow. spend money with them even if you wanted to right now until the summer of next year because they can't hire enough pilots. They can't buy enough planes. They're, like, they're literally selling planes right now for 2 to $3 million over market value uh, because there's, oh, there are no wow. planes. Like you, you can't get anything right now. That's insane. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa! That's all I have to say. Now, Kevin, do you have you updated anybody on your your cash position? Because last time we chatted, you had a massive cash position. I'm not sure if it's still as massive or it's more massive now. Uh, no, I mean it's it's fluctuated a little bit, um, but it's roughly the same spot where we were last week. Uh, okay. Still about like 18 ish percent, uh, and um, yeah, you know, I, I I personally I'm not opposed to the idea of uh, like. I'm considering making like, because uh, here's the thing. I don't think the stocks that did well in 2021 are going to do well as well in 2022. Uh, I actually think that there's basically a, a poop list of stocks that have been just plummeting. Uh, and on them are stocks like Corsair, uh, even recently Lemonade and Tattooed Chef, but also like Square, PayPal, Palantir, you know, Unity, Roku. Uh, Redfin, uh, Zoom. There's so many of these companies, DocuSign, that have just gotten, or, or even DraftKings, Penn National Gaming. You know, these there's some amazing companies here that have just gotten obliterated. And and who knows, these could end up being in the stocks of 2022. Mm. Yeah. Now, now DocuSign and Zoom, those are two I had trouble with. You know, DocuSign, mm. that valuation's crazy. I'm like, all it is is a dang e-signing documents <laughs> business. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? It's, I don't know what the current valuation is, but usually it's 20, 30. I mean, at the peak, I think it was over 50 billion. And then Zoom, I know Kathy Wood was trying to make a case on Zoom that Zoom's going to become much more than just a business video conferencing company. And you're going to do overall, like potentially all your communication through Zoom in the future, which is a little hard for me to understand at the moment. I might have to dig a little deeper. I don't know if so you have any thoughts on the metaverse. Those. 
yeah well, yeah one of the things that's that's eye-opening is if you even just go to zoom.com which which like none of us ever do uh, and you look at the solutions they have what's really incredible uh is and, and i didn't even in fairness look at it until kathy mentioned it i'm like really they do all that crap but i didn't know they do some of the things they do here like they're i think they're trying to like integrate uh, stores and stuff so you can buy stuff integrated into zoom they've got some enterprise cloud systems you know pre-recorded webinar stuff you know like all the salespeople do online or whatever there's some you know educational cloud classrooms i mean that sounds a lot like courses for me uh i i don't know there's a bunch of crap they do I, and i i don't invest in zoom i don't profess to know about everything they do uh, I always just thought it was stupid because I could just like FaceTime or like Microsoft or Google was just going to replace them with some free software, you know? So I, I agree with you. Uh, DocuSign, you know, DocuSign, I don't know if it's just because I was, I've been in real estate so long. Everything's freaking DocuSign. Yeah. And they're moving to DocuSign Notaries, which is a game freaking changer. Like once, once that becomes wildly adopted or widely adopted, I should say, that's the, an entire game changer for the industry because notaries are a pain in the butt. Soon we're going to probably be at stuff like DocuSign, Loan Docs. Oh my gosh. You know, like the 200 pages you sit there with a the notary with for an hour. Yeah. It's a disaster. And it, uh, there's, there's good money in that. Uh, and, and I know DocuSign feels highly overvalued, but if you compare it to Palantir, it's at roughly the same valuation. Uh, and so there are a lot of people who are big Palantir bulls who hate on, on DocuSign because of the valuation. But when you compare them, they're like the same. <laughs> so, just, uh, you just know, until, maybe because it's until, come down. <laughs> so much. Wait until DocuSign puts blockchain in its name and it's game over. <laughs> block sign. <laughs> block sign yeah. But imagine if they, if they integrated the blockchain into signing, into authentication. That would be huge. Yeah. That would be awesome. Guarantee you yeah. that would be a huge thing. Two, two stocks. Yeah, they, just, they just said the Ethereum blockchain. They just throw that on there. I guarantee they'll double. Which wouldn't even make any sense because of no, it wouldn't, it, it doesn't need <laughs> Utilizing the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> All of your documents are stored safely on the blockchain. Yeah. That's it. People yeah. are just, all right, I'll buy it. Sounds yeah. bullish. Hey. Yeah, Graham and Andre, I want to hear from you too. Uh, so PayPal and Square, two stocks that I would assume are somewhat up your guys' alleys. Those stocks have been trading near 52-week lows over the past week or so. Is either one of those stocks interesting to you guys at 52-week lows? I've been investing in PayPal for a while. And uh, I, my, I think my cost base is I've, I've invested a lot around the – I think it was the 180 range. But I, I like them. And so PayPal it's, is a company that I invested purely because I use them all the time. And uh, I've just I've never had an issue with PayPal. I buy things through eBay with PayPal. Uh, I have tenants to pay me with PayPal. I've, I've paid other people with PayPal. I like it a lot. And you also like yeah. Venmo, which is owned by PayPal too, right, Graham? I do. Okay. Yeah, so PayPal's yeah, it's a 191. And uh, yeah, in the, in the high 180s is where I, I dumped a decent amount. I'm up a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like and use this company myself. Yeah, what about I you, have, Andre? I have, I have a small position in the Cash app. I'm trying to see what my basis is, but I forgot which app I have it in. I, I remember investing in the Cash app. <clears throat> Subs well, yeah, I can't find it. That'd be Square then. Might be Square. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have any Square yet. Uh, oh well, I'm saying I, I thought you were asking who owns Cash app because Square owns Cash app. No, 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 no. I don't. I, no, I don't have PayPal or. Yeah, no. 
don't don't have that. But I'd like to. I just feel like how much are they? How much Bitcoin do they have on their balance sheet? Do you know? Ooh, I can't remember. I know micros. I know micro strategies basically like an index for Bitcoin at this point. But I, yeah. I know that. <laughs> Kevin, you yeah. know. I call him micro sailor. Micro sailor, yeah. <laughs> Big Chad, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, um, but I, I know they're getting yes. more into Bitcoin and they're they're adding it to their balance sheet. But um, yeah. I don't know. Is is now a good time to buy into it? Is that why you're asking? Are they down? Well, yeah, it's near 52-week lows, so I'm not going to say oh. it can't go lower, but I think it's more intriguing than it's been. I think the 52-week high on Square is like 3, I want to say 310 maybe. And oh, I wow. I think recently it was trading at like 180. Hold on. Why are they down so much? Yeah, them and PayPal just got hit. And, and same with Visa. I don't know. There's some worries about transactions and, and maybe Amazon being a competitive threat. Like, I don't know, man. Oh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I didn't know that PayPal's so beat up. I'll definitely, I might even buy some soon. Because I know they're, I know they're innovating a lot with Bitcoin right now. Like I, I don't know if they've released much of the info yet, but I know they're doing a lot with it. Yeah. And then what? What about you, Kevin? PayPal Square? Either one of those interesting? Both of them. I bought like five hundred k of both of them today. <laughs> so, no way. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, Visa. Visa. I actually traded uh, last week very, very briefly. Uh, it was mostly because they started, uh, it, well, first of all, their growth is excellent. I think they're like a 14, 15% compounded annual growth projected for the next uh, few years. Their margin is insane. I mean, they, they bring like 45 plus percent to the bottom line. It's completely insane. So even if you have uh, cost or, or I should say fee compression because they, they make money off fees, right? Uh, even if you have fee compression, Visa is so like there's so much meat on the bone you won't even realize it. I, I think Visa is an excellent play. Uh, Square, PayPal, I think they've had some wonderful declines, but but yeah, Visa. If you were looking for something safer, I like Visa. Wait, so Kevin, wow. you put uh, 500k in Visa? Oh, uh, Square and PayPal, 500 each of those. But I I had 300k in Visa last week because I I, I thought it was going to rebound nicely and it has rebounded nicely. But now I'm in Square and PayPal. Got it. Okay. Would you still invest in Visa? Yeah. You still invest? Oh, yeah. Sure. I would. I would still. I. I might even tomorrow. I don't know. I, who knows? We'll see how CPI data goes. Like I'll look for another dip, but I don't really want to go into 2022 with any cash. So I'm. Uh, I'm spend happy right now. Wait. Can you guys see this? Oh wait. Never mind. Wait. Ah. Think. Hold on. I was gonna show you. Not enough buying power. Come on, Robin Hood. Just give me what I want. <laughs> I was about to buy. I was about to buy fifty shares. I'm not a baller like Kevin, but I was about to spend ten grand on it right now. Um, ah, what? Yeah, I thought tomorrow I thought morning. Robin Hood Gold, what's up? Tomorrow morning. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll no, do it. I have Robin Hood Gold. I should be able to do it, but uh, I just initiated a deposit. Wait, I do have enough buying power. You liars! All right, hold on, Kevin. Oh, I mean, Andre. The AWS crash today took Robin yeah, for a period that. of time. That was insane. Yeah, the hood the hood bounced back today. The hood had a strong day, right? Ooh, I don't know. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Mm. Yeah, wait, Kevin, what happened? Dude, you're under 20 bill, man. Did we it? can what see your whole account information, Andre. We can see it all. <laughs> there we go. Bought it. All right, sweet. Just bought 50 shares. Nice. Thanks for the tip. There we go. Now it goes down 50%. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Now get ready to buy the dip, guys. Get ready to buy the dip. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh they're like Andre, oh they're, they're 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 visa? no i just bought paypal 50 shares ten ten thousand dollars got it okay uh because i'm reading here I, I this just came out actually in the bloomberg report uh paypal fraud <laughs> i'm Paypal's kidding a fraud <laughs> paypal is shutting down venmo next week for un, for yeah they're going reason. bankrupt uh yeah they, they're already done <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> No, but but hey, no, I really want to know what happened to the hood today. Did the hood bounce back? Is that over 20 now or is it under 20? Yeah, 2273. It fell down to it was what 2058 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, as a low. But yeah, you know, they're in the midst of lockups. That's another one that I've got a good stake in. And um I'd even add more to it. Uh, it's it's I, I just I we don't want to be in it forever, but it's one of those that I definitely want to trade. Kevin, are you up or down on that position? Because now you bought in like really oh, early. Now I'm down. <laughs> now you're down. Okay. And now I feel good about buying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kevin, Have you seen you the chart? Like yeah. Where do Dude, you feel like there is? Anybody, anybody who's yeah. investing in Robinhood is down. <laughs> yeah. Unless you bought in the last few days. Unless you bought yesterday. <laughs> Which the odds are, if you had the balls to buy it yesterday, you've already been in it. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is buy like a week or so after YouTubers say they're buying something. You're like, all right, cool. Pretty I'll buy much. It. Yeah. <laughs> Consistently a good idea. Like whatever I do, do it 10 days later. <laughs> Kevin, it would be funny if someone analyzed all of your trades and found the ideal entry point. I think Ooh, that would be really awesome. funny. Six days after. <laughs> yeah. They would have to go through like a thousand videos. Though. That's the thing. It's like you can't just trace it down to one video a day or one prediction. It's thousands of videos. You make so many of them, it would be impossible to go through. Yeah. There are other the ways too. Kevin, the problem is Kevin makes so many moves. I have three full-time staff that try to keep track of Kevin's moves, and they still can't do it, man. He's making too many. <laughs> I got three people on payroll. Just track Kevin's moves. They, they can't do it. They're like He's making too many moves, man. We just we can't keep up. It's too much. No, but uh, another stock here, guys, that um, is uh, one that's talked about. Well, I don't know if you – Stitch Fix. Anybody interested in Stitch Fix? F -F oh, they fell today after earnings, yeah, like 20%, right? Yeah, that one's down to $20 a share after hours. That one hit a high of 113 when the January bubble was going on. Wow. Talk mm. about a fall. It's what, like 80%? What's your take? Oh, I, I so I, I think it's uh, I think under 20 can be interesting under 15 ideal. I think it's a high risk, high reward play. Graham would definitely not like a business model like that. I can tell you that much. Exact opposite of what Graham. I've would never like. heard of this company before. What is it? So the, basically, yeah, Stitch Fix, go to their website and basically yeah. you, you enter in kind of what you would want for inter, in, in, like clothing. They send you the clothing. The more clothing you buy, you get a bigger discount. If you don't mm. like anything, you send it back. At the end of the day, I didn't really think it's a business model you would like very much, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. yeah, it would be a hard uh, yeah. sell for you. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I just like H&M, but uh, I don't know. Not for me. Kevin, what about the planet? The planet's at three. Little planet for you, maybe? Oh, man, I stay away from uh, from the cannabis. I, I just think Joe Biden can't get anything done as is. I, it, ain't, it ain't coming. It's going to be waiting a while before there's something federal. And then I know they can expand locally and stuff. And, and uh, But look, really, I think what jaded me the most was running for governor in California. Uh, seeing how, like, idiotic, I was going to say a worse word, but, you know, I got to keep it easy. <laughs> how, uh, yeah, how bad things are in California. And it's supposed to be, like, the liberal frontier of cannabis. <laughs> Not putting my money anywhere near that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Good. Yeah, then uh, Uber. Uber's interesting, okay? So I was thinking about this recently. I don't know if you guys have been tracking Uber Eats and, like, getting promotions uh, from Uber Eats. I don't even know if you guys yes. use Uber Eats. Yeah, so, the yeah, they are trying to get more and more into groceries, getting you to order your groceries on there. Even, like, 7-Eleven and, like, convenience stores are starting to pop up in there. And so mm-hmm. I started to think, oh, my gosh, I think where Uber's going long-term is a massive company that will deliver anything to you anywhere you want, anytime you want. And so I gave a few examples the other day. One of them being, let's imagine, you know, I don't know, you're, you're doing some work on this house, right? You're building a house or whatever. And you realize, oh, I need a tool or a part. Imagine if you could go to the Uber app, right? Order that. And it's delivered to you within an hour. You never have to leave the job site. You don't have to come back and reschedule the job. You can keep working. And this thing will just get delivered to you within an hour. Somebody from Uber goes and picks it up at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, comes and delivers it to you. I think that's the future we're going uh, in. You know what? By Amazon is going to come out with drone delivery. By then, it'll get to you in 30 minutes. They're going to have a warehouse in every major city. There'll be some little drone that picks it up and then just drops it. Yeah, that would be cool. Facial recognition. I'll be like, that's our person, scans the face, drops the package. That would be cool, Graham, but that's not happening, okay? (laughs) Especially anytime soon. So I feel like Uber is actually one company that is positioned to beat Amazon at something, and Amazon never loses at anything. But the fact is Uber has this entire workforce set up perfectly for this. And if you're Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, everybody, why would you not partner with them? Because it finally gives you that competitive edge over Amazon where the, the, the thing about Amazon is always like, I have to wait a day to get it delivered or two days or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It can't be delivered in an hour. And if all of a sudden you can order your paper towels and your groceries and, and whatever you need straight through Uber Eats, I think they're just going to have a, you know, and they'll probably rebrand it from Uber Eats long term. I think they're going to have a huge competitive advantage versus actually Amazon, which could make things um, really, really interesting. Instacart's obviously another huge player in that market. I think Uber just maybe has a bigger scale to pull this off. So I don't know, man. That's one if you're thinking about something that could be a truly, you know, the next huge TAM opportunity could be Uber. So that's cool. Hmm. It would be, yeah. Imagine ordering everything from there. Imagine you need anything. You just go, whoop, doot, doot. you just get it right there. So hmm. think about how helpful that would be to you, Graham. So, I mean, you probably don't really have to order anything emergency, or you would just have Alex or Jack go get it for you, right? right. But imagine you need it. Let's say one of your batteries is, I don't know, that, that's a bad example. Let's say one of your cameras broke and you need, you're like, I need a camera right now. And you just go yeah. on that. You go to Best Buy and it like, you know, somebody brings it to you within an hour. How sick would that be? Yeah. Yeah. There are certainly situations throughout the day where something like that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how often I would use that. That's the thing is, is how, how often are you in a situation where you need something that you can't wait a day for Amazon Prime? 
Yeah. I just it, don't know how often that would be. Right, especially well, for low-cost items. Perfect. For that. Especially if it's low-cost items where you need the turnaround speed to be so fast where the cost just doesn't justify it if you're ordering something cheaply unless you really need it urgently. And then if you get into some of the bigger stuff, like if I'm, I don't know, if I need like really big things like pieces of lumber or something, like I don't know, at what point does it become cost prohibitive to have it delivered versus just getting it myself? Well, you, you could think about that the same way you think about rideshare. How often do you really need an Uber ride, right? I might mm -hmm. use an Uber ride, I don't know, three times a year, five times a year max. Maybe you, you ain't guys drinking enough. Yeah, exactly. That's what I didn't drink. You guys, Kevin, 20 times a week. No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, seriously. <laughs> 30. <laughs> Rideshare even is one of those markets. It's like, how often do you really use that? Maybe if you live in San Francisco, you use it all the time. Here in Vegas, I drive my own cars everywhere, right? And so you could use that same thing. I think this could actually be a way bigger market than Rideshare and exponentially more. So would Tesla, I don't know. Not, would Tesla not be able to disrupt that potentially or enter the game with that? Well, the problem is, how does it get to your door? Then it would have to just be delivered to your, your steps or something, unless you have a human. But then if you have a human, then there's no point in, in having the robo taxi, right? Because then a human mm -hmm. could just also drive the car. So awesome. I think unless they, unless uh, Tesla, you know, successfully makes that robot they have, they're, they're making, right? Yeah, What's the name of that robot, Kevin? Oh, I, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, you're the biggest shareholder outside of Elon. You have to know that name, Kevin. I, I sold some Tesla stock last week. <laughs> Ooh! Wow. How much, Kevin? How much? I have uh, 10,069 shares left. Ah, uh, 69. Well like yeah. Wow, Kevin. You, you don't even own that many shares now. That's so sad. I know. It's pathetic. Only, I, like down 10, like 3K from my peak. Yeah, you might as well just you might as well just sell it all the rest of it, you know. I'm gonna put it all on TTCF, man. Yeah, there we go, baby. Kevin, you can single handedly, I think, move TTCF up a, at least two percent or twenty percent. All right, I'll be shorting it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my man. god. Hey, hey. What what do you think, Kevin, about the Uber idea and uh mm. you know that, that potential massive play there? Uh you know, for me it just I mean, I don't even know, right, because I haven't looked at them in so long. Is Uber profitable yet would be my big question. And then would that be profitable? Uh, I think what you're saying is right, Andre. Uh, small items become very expensive. You're going to you need a battery urgently right now. It's five bucks with tax and everything. You're going to pay some guy 20 bucks and Uber's supposed to make money off that as well to go get it. Probably not. Graham's right as well. You know, you go get a camera. It's like, ah, how often do I need a new Canon? You know, I'm shooting on the same one for five years or whatever. Right? So um, I, I get it. In fact, before any of the the delivery apps existed uh, for for like items like groceries, the Instacart or whatever, I actually called an Uber guy and told him I would pay for his route and an extra 20 bucks if he went into Target to go get me. It was like Cards Against Humanity or something because we were all having a party <laughs> and, and stuff. Uh, and so this was like back in 2014 before that was a thing. And he's like, this is so weird. I don't know if I'm allowed to do it. And I'm like, just do it. Just do it. I'll give you 20 bucks. <laughs> like it was a yeah. chore to convince him to get it, right? So I, I understand that. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that'll be profitable, it's not something I would speculate on personally. You know what, Kevin, we had that all the time in real estate. We would deliver paperwork and they Couriers. would give us the, yeah, they would give us the yeah. weirdest looks. They would show up in front of the office. We'd give them an envelope. We would just like, just deliver this envelope. 
just show up to this address. They'll pick it up from the car. And some of them were like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. Even though it's, they don't even have to drive a passenger. It's just an envelope. Or sometimes we'll send <laughs> checks. Just go and drop off this check. That's it. Yeah. So I think, listen, I think there is a big market for that. Uh, it's just at what cost? And is that, can you do that in places outside of just big cities? You know? Yeah. And, and you're competing I, with, I mean, it's a good point. You're competing with existing courier services. What about all of the Amazon flex drivers who have their flex trucks or whatever? Can, can they compete and just plummet the price of this? Or, or can they get you it from Amazon? Cheaper in 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 less time. I, I have no idea. The the logistics space, driving around, something that labor intensive, it ain't for me. See, this is why, and, and I, I'm not in them right now, but this is why I like a company like Visa. They got their name everywhere. They take, they keep like 45 cents out of every dollar they make, and they don't rely on labor. I mean, they look, don't get me wrong, they've got a lot of employees, but me swiping a card took them zero extra labor. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, Amazon doesn't have the competitive edge. You know, let, let's say Amazon was going to try to do what the, this this future I'm talking about, get everything delivered anytime you want it. Right. What's Amazon going to do? Have a driver just standing by and then go to the, the warehouse in North Las Vegas or wherever the heck the warehouse is and then hope they have that item there versus somebody locally right around my house can see this order pop up for Walmart, $30 worth of stuff. They go pick it up and that, that items, those items are to me within the next, um, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Right. Maybe. So I guess it I don't know. I think it's who's a, uh, who's logistics system. Who's, whose inventory system do you trust more your local best buy and Walmart or Amazon's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think that really comes down to the, the time that, that sure. um, it takes. You know, I, I think that's, that's going to be a big factor. So, but um, anyways, that, that's a, just a whole other kind of big idea, which I know people like the big ideas, man. That's why they watch us. It's an right? idea. It's the, the big stuff. And it's like, and I think it's not just one thing to have a big idea. I think that's where people get caught up in the stock market. Like, you know, we talked about the bubble, you know, of January, December of last year, right? Mm. Anything big idea was like, oh, you know, this is, this is so grand. This is so awesome. But it's like, who could actually pull off this big grand idea, right? Which companies are actually in the position to pull that off? So when I speak about an idea like this with Uber, it's because I actually believe like they have a legit shot of actually doing this, right? There's there's data in the real world on things they're doing today that makes sense how they would do this next level thing, right? And uh, I just want to caution people the next time we have some hype market, some FOMO market, don't just believe every company can do everything. Don't believe a nickel is going to be Tesla or, you know, any, any of this other stuff, because you, you have to have the proof points to get to that place. And if you don't have the proof points on how you can like one plus one equals two, then you're not going to get to two. Right. So with that being said, what, what stocks are we pumping? I mean, buying guys, what, what stocks are we buying here? Are we shilling? <laughs> Affirm. PayPal. No, go ahead. Oh, is it supposed to be new stocks? Okay. Let's do new stocks. Um, you know, one that I really like right now is Trade Desk. Uh, they just fell under 100. You know, I, I first picked them up at like the high 70s or something like that. It's more more of a recent play. Uh, all about video advertising sans YouTube. So video advertising and distribution outside of YouTube, obviously huge for political campaigns, but also uh, just, I mean, think think your your Rokus and, and your video ads. I don't know, wherever you'd see them. Uh, and... Um, Digital advertising is where it's at. Uh, I think, you know, Google 
probably takes like 30% of the market, maybe even a little bit more. Uh, Google's a great investment for that as well. But Trade Desk, uh, a, a good number two, in my opinion, for just the, if you want a digital advertising in your portfolio. Kevin sh- shilled me PayPal, so I bought it. So I have nothing to shill. I was shilled. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope you make I'm lots looking- of money. Thank you. I'm looking through mine. So over the past few days, I bought some Neo at $32. I figured, why not? Worth, worth. I know, worth the risk. S&P 500 as usual, uh, and then PayPal, like we like we talked about earlier. And I did buy some Win also in the uh, the $86 range. Oh. So, but some of these, like the Win, I'm not I'm not investing a ton of money. I'm I'm adding on to a position that I've been in for over a year. It's like, ah, you know, I may as well throw a little bit more into this. But S&P is really where the majority of this goes. Mm. Has yeah, not I, I been a, a bad bet. I, I have a stock here I want to tell you guys about. Um, it's a plant-based food company. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. New stocks, right? Stock. I swear it's a new stock. Okay, It's a plant-based food company. It's a low price stock. Okay. Um, and I, I'm going to wait for it to dip more. Uh, if it dips more, if it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. Because it had a big day today. It was up 9%. Oatly, O-T-L-Y. I'm actually oh. really, really interested in that one if it drops back down um, to below $8. That one's really, really intriguing to me. So they're basically the company that's trying to disrupt kind of the dairy industry with uh, oat, oat uh, you know, I don't want to call it oat milk, but that's kind of what they call it, oat milk. And then... Um, not just that, but obviously like yogurts, ice creams. And it's a business that's very international. Like I listened to their conference call and it was incredible. They hardly even mentioned the United States. I was like, geez, I think the United States is going to be the biggest market for this company. And that was like hardly even, they talked about South Korea. They talked about China. They talked about Europe. I'm like, they even talked about, I think the, the Middle East a bit. And I was like, geez, are they ever going to talk about the United States? And I think this is going to be the biggest market for them long-term. So you're supposed to do over a billion dollars of revenue next year. Um, and it seems like a company that is going to grow as far as I can see. So uh, the only thing I worry about is that, that maybe being a commoditized industry over time. But it seems like they're, they got a nice brand building there. Outside of that, I don't really have a lot of new stocks. Um, do you like skiing? Of, which one? Do you, do you like skiing? Like actual physical skiing? No, I've never been. Uh, Oatly is based in Sweden and their stock oh. chart looks like a double black diamond going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, that's a good opportunity to buy in. Sorry, I had to do that. Oh, um, you know me. That turns me on, Kevin. When I see a stock chart like that, I start getting so excited, man. I just can't. I just, I'm just. i like, oh, what is it? <laughs> I love it when you get excited, Jeremy. Wait a minute. Let's not talk about what happens in Vegas. Uh, oh another stock that's kind of interesting is Maxar Technologies. That one's been hit pretty hard. That, that one, you know, in the, the January highs was a 50 plus dollar stock. Right now it's at 28. That's what I'm looking at. Not buying yet, but I'm, I'm very intrigued by that one, which is a space company, which I don't own any space companies. So um, and then outside of that, even project revenue for that, for a space company, that's, that's the hardest problem I have. Like, I feel like everybody's all hot on the space stuff. Like people are paying hand over fist to try to get into like spacex stock or whatever and i just worry people are just like yolo overpaid just to get into space well the nice thing uh with maxar is they already have revenues Mm. um 
and and I was actually surprised that analysts only had them growing seven percent revenues next year, which I thought was low. But next year, Kevin, they're supposed to do almost two billion dollars of revenue. So it's not like it's a, a small number. They're supposed to do ninety-one cents of positive EPS next year as well. Well, I'm just now looking at Oatly, and it's. So it's losing money. They're expecting to lose money until 2024, but their their growth seems pretty wild. Uh, you said what two billion by 2024? That's what I see here. Yeah, uh, roughly. But it's, yeah, analysts it's like doing sixty percent next year, fifty percent the year after that, thirty four percent the year after that to get there. So, I mean, there's there's obviously something about growth for that one. Uh, the market just hates money losing companies right now. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, the lemonade, tattoo chip, whatever. Yes. Those are the ones that are getting crushed right now. And then Maxar, you said they're profitable? Uh, Maxar is supposed to do 91 cents of e- positive EPS um, this upcoming year. Um, so they're supposed to lose money 2021, but next year they're supposed to flip it mm. and then do 91 cents. And nine analysts cover that stock. So Yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah, okay. This actually even has 93 now. So it's even better. And then five, almost $5 in 2025. That puts them at like a six forward for 2025 but that's yeah. some weird growth though uh what is this two percent in 2021 six percent 22 7.9 then three then 10 why is it so lumpy is it like space contracts i'm still doing research into that one but yeah they, they have government contracts they have company wow. contracts even companies like amazon will use them so they're they have basically satellites that give super high uh, like image resolution and even in the model s maxar technologies powers a map and it's epic I think Graham's seen it. Uh, map is so nice, man. The clarity is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a lot of it's big contracts. But I think it's a company that even will be instrumental with, like, Amazon with self-driving vehicles. Uh, you know, because they can take, from my understanding, it can go over your house and take photos, like, every, um, I, I don't know. I, I heard it was, like, some insane number. I don't want to be quoted on, on that. But I'm still doing research there. It seems like the company that if you're thinking about a company that's for photo imaging of space, which is a very vital industry in the future. Think about Amazon. They have all these trucks going all over the world all the time. Right. And how how valuable would it be to Amazon to have the data from space on like, you know, how fast these trucks are moving or what their routes are, or where a better route could be? Because I think they already have all that. I mean, that's that's basically what UPS and FedEx do. Yeah, but but kind of but kind of not right. Imagine real time data. That can give a truck and say in real time, this is the best route for that truck to go. Right now, what it is, is like, usually this is the best route for that truck to go. Imagine if you have mm. satellites in space that are taking real time images, like immediately that says this truck needs to take a right right now, based upon what we have for traffic data, based upon, you know, everything we see. And if there's an accident one minute from now in that road, you're not going to have that unless you have a satellite going around constantly that's basically going to give that data. And then if you yeah, add I, mean, I think uh, Google and like Waymo and stuff, they do that already, though. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I see what you're saying. Like it, the technology is brilliant. Um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a little delayed. Uh, it's a little delayed. Like, you know, if an accident happens in one minute, you don't really get that data right away. And oh. I, I don't think Google and Waymo has Google and Waymo might have the best uh, of what we have right now. But in my opinion, if you've got satellites flying all over constantly, taking images constantly, it seems like that's going to beat whatever Google and Waymo have right now, right? Huh. So, so um, that's what I, I see every time I'm I'm lying out in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, I got to ask you guys. Uh, yeah. 
uh, so I was just at a, uh, what is this? My, my kids, they go to, well, I, I, so I just went to Max's, uh, what's it called? He did like a Christmas performance or whatever. And, you know, people are supposed to wear masks in there and I'm in there and like 80% of the people are not wearing masks. There's zero ventilation at all. It's just this like closed off auditorium. I'm like, this is, this is a freaking nightmare. Like I'm taking my mask, like, if I hold it, I'll add layers. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and um, anyway, what you know, the, the C word, the, the illness, what's going to happen? Hmm. Gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I for both that uh, that it seems as though things could speed up over the winter. Wait, you for uh, what? What? You for what? Oh, the things could speed up over the winter in terms of like getting more cases. But it's, it seems like a lot of people are generally kind of moving past it it seems like mm. it, it seems like a lot of that fear is dissipated except with the uh the recent variant and the stock market really just panicked mm. right is that more powell though is it more omicron mm -hmm. uh, probably i'm guessing probably 50 50 i mean they both happened around the same time between wow. his comments and uh unemployment numbers coming in less with the new variant it's it seems like it all happened at the same time. it's hard to pinpoint what exactly was so we got the the powie owie and the fauci ouchie to deal the with triple powell <laughs> yeah but the unemployment numbers were so inaccurate the way that they, they were released and they're going to get revised anyway i mean that's way higher than what we were told right wait why um because the uh uh the uh not the establishment survey the other one the participation employment participation is way higher it's up what from 62.6 to 62.8 percent it was like a net change of 1.1 million jobs not the 200,000 that we were told 210,000 I think that came out hmm. so no, it's actually it's actually way better than than what we were reported initially so um I just I just hope I just hope that this thing is just going to become a common flu that that's what I hope to see is like we're just going to get so desensitized to all these variants it's gonna be like ah whatever we're gonna get the variant. We're gonna get the variant out of the way. We're gonna get the vaccine sooner. It's gonna get approved faster, um, and by then, hopefully, the markets will become desensitized to where it's not affecting it at all. I thought it was the flu. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it just becomes more of like a regular, like, ah, whatever. It's a yearly thing. We all get sick. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's going no, in that no, direction. I'm not, but, that yeah. subject. I'm not touching that subject. Go ahead, Graham. What? Why? Because it's very divisive. You don't realize how Isn't divisive the subject is, gentlemen. You want to know divisive? Just... You go on Twitter and you start bagging on AOC. No. <laughs> I saw you do that and I was like, no, Kevin, don't do that's it. A, it's not that's worth a it. suicide mission, Kevin. That's what that is. That isn't divisive. Wait, Kevin, what did you, what did you tweet? I, I, don't really go on Twitter. I made a whole video on it. Basically, okay, I'll, I'll give you the TLDR. The TLDR is, uh, you know, she, she spends a lot of time talking about how we should forgive student debt and how people in Congress shouldn't invest in, in, in stocks or crypto or whatever. And it recently came up because she's not investing in Bitcoin. She's like, oh, well, right. you know, that's, it's not fair. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to invest in individual whatever stocks or crypto or whatever. Uh, and so I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. So here you are basically preaching, go to Met Gala, live in posh apartment uh, in, in D.C., drive Tesla, wear fancy clothes, but not invest while taking student loan forbearance, presumably, 
on her student loans that she has, not paying off her student loans, and at the same time asking Joe Biden to forgive $50,000 of student debt. But it's wrong for people in Congress to invest. Okay, yeah, you're broken. <laughs> you should go back to school and learn financial education because you should be motivating people to invest. I thought her thing was she's not investing because, uh, or maybe she just says this because she doesn't want to be biased or, or have yes, any sort of she agenda. says that. But yeah. my argument, and I've had this argument for a long time, is that we should have instantaneous disclosure for when people in Congress invest and then let yeah. them invest. Look, I don't I don't care if if, uh, if if somebody invests, but just have instantaneous disclosure. The 45, 90 day delay stuff is bad. But uh, why, why should some why should financially literate people be discouraged from helping run our government like that's moronic? What you end up with is financially illiterate people going into government going, well, instead of fixing the root problems we have in our country, like horrible schools, let's just forgive student debt. And don't get me wrong, it's like I'm not opposed because, to forgive because student debt. Because if they're if they're creating policies, they could be swayed towards doing the policies towards what they invest in. If they're invested in big oil, let's just say and that's a hundred percent of what they own, they might be a little bit more swayed to vote in that direction because it benefits them, even if it's disclosed. Yeah. Oh, well, I, like to me, uh, the, the thing is, when, when you look at Congress, Congress represents uh, the people uh, of, of America and, and people of America are employees of Apple, they're employees of Google, they're employees of oil companies. There's going to be that. But if you put your cards out on the table and Nancy Pelosi buys call options on Tesla on on 12, eight and they expire on 12, 15, I'd like to know about that the day she buys it. And then that way, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe you can follow her or whatever, right? Uh, and, and then sure, yeah, like somebody in the comments says term limits. All for it. Term limits, transparent disclosure. But to uh, to make an example and to say, oh, I'm somehow your white knight by not investing, living a fancy lifestyle, and I'm an example for all you know younger women is is complete bullcrap. It's it's a horrible example of precedent to be setting. It's financial illiteracy that's being promoted and it's also bandaging that's being promoted. You're promoting, okay, well our school sucks so people can't pay off their student debt. Let's forgive their student debt and raise taxes. Okay, or we could go back to the root cause. Schools suck. How about instead of teaching chemistry to 95% of people, we teach chemistry to 5% of people and financial education to 95% of people instead. It's just so many things. I mean, Congress is just broken. Government's broken, right? We could go down the rabbit hole. But as an example, to, to say, oh, no crypto, no stocks, but watch me live a posh lifestyle and be, you know, a very public figure, I think is bullcrap and a disservice to people and Americans. Kevin, Sounds like you're Kevin. gearing up for another political run, Kevin. No nope. president. <laughs> no way. President. I'm gearing up for a beer. <laughs> come on kevin it's it's in your blood i can feel it flowing when you were just talking right there i felt it oozing out of you man you just can't hide it you'd make a good <laughs> governor of nevada hey that's an idea <laughs> we yeah. could all get behind that <laughs> i want i'm gonna i gotta replace the ceo of el salvador how about that <laughs> just buy the dip just always buy the dip that's right <laughs> buy the bitcoin dip <laughs> I was watching the news a few nights ago, and Steve Sisolak, our governor, and uh, Newsom were at the border, the Nevada-California border, doing a meeting, or not a meeting, a press conference, uh, kind of a so photo nothing. op. 
Yeah, basically talking about how they're going to expand the 15 because it's like 20 miles of backup basically happens on a busy weekend. Now it's out of control. And uh, one of the one of the ladies they interviewed, they're like, you know, uh, they were basically telling her about what they're going to do. She's like, man, they should have been done that. They should have been done like four years ago. Why are they just doing that now? It was it was classic, man. And, and it's the truth. It's like, why does it need to be such a big problem for them to finally get involved? It's like, you know. But that's government for you, man. That's why I can't even get involved. It's just it's frustrating. It's too annoying. It's man. toxic, man. It's it's <laughs> utterly toxic. They, you know, I mean, they're like, oh, let's that. let's have the wall. Meanwhile, <laughs> you've got cartel folks now running like fifteen hundred illegal grow farms for cannabis and other opioids in California. So guess what? They don't even have to cross the border anymore. <laughs> I can't shut them down either. <laughs> what? How's that going on? They're just morons, dude. They they decriminalized uh, growing marijuana. So what these people do is they grow the marijuana. They you know they, they hide the illegal drugs and they make it very blatantly look like uh, a just marijuana grow, which it's illegal to illegally grow cannabis. But you could literally have a a five hundred plant plantation of illegal cannabis in California. You get caught, they give you a five hundred dollar ticket to show up in court. That's it. It's a $500 misdemeanor. That's it. And and then, like, literally, the sheriff of San Bernardino has gone on record. Hey, I've gone out there with a bunch of officers. We've wasted a day cutting down marijuana plants. We had to write the guy a $500 citation on a Saturday. He's back up and running on Wednesday. <laughs> that's California for you. Oh, meanwhile, did I tell you this one about the fire hydrants? Stop me if I did. You did. No. You mentioned it. But I'm sure Keep half going, the people Kevin. don't remember. Okay, really quick. These same illegal farms uh, need a lot of water, so they're hooking up to the fire hydrants to steal water illegally uh, in in the Mojave Desert where we need it just in case there are fires. And uh, instead of punishing the people stealing the water, uh, the county of Los Angeles removed 300 fire hydrants. I'm just going to leave it at that. Wow. Yeah. Welcome to Cali. Oh, but pay more taxes and tax the rich. Nice. That's how you solve it. <laughs> hey, honestly, so many you guys uh, see the Satoshi story, by the way, how that ended? The court, the case finally ended. Anybody follow that? I loosely, I loosely <laughs> followed it, but my understanding is that still Craig Wright does not have the keys to those the $50 billion. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting how the media is reporting it as like he won. So for any, by the way, anyone unfamiliar with it, it's, it's a guy who was sued by uh, the brother of Dave Kleiman, which is the guy who like it's between him and Craig, who are supposedly the identities behind Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, it's a state, and, right? Yes. It, well, so 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 Craig gave uh, Dave Kleiman a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, credibility that, that he was part of the team that invented Bitcoin. And so when Dave passed away, his brother, Ira, was like, hey, wait a minute. If you said that my brother created Bitcoin with you, we should be entitled to half the 1.1 million Bitcoins, right? Um, so he sues him in court. And now, after many years, Craig uh, has come out as the winner, as that, that he doesn't have to share the Bitcoins with, with uh, estate, Ira estate. But what's hilarious, though, is that he didn't actually like win anything. It, the, what the media is telling us is that 
oh, uh, you know, Craig has won, so he's Satoshi, essentially. That's not how it's coming across, that he's Satoshi Nakamoto. But in reality, he doesn't have any access to the actual keys. And he was told to pay by the jury $100 million. That's fiat. That's U.S. dollars, not Bitcoin. $100 million to the joint partnership that he had with Dave. So apparently they had a company together called, I think, DNW or KNW, uh, W&K. So W&K, right? There was this company that they formed together. And whatever happened, Craig Wright now owes $100 million to that company. He has to pay back. And I don't know about you guys, but $100 million, like you have to be a billionaire to be able to pay that back. So I don't know how he's going to pay that back unless he truly has access to some enormous fortune like the 1.1 million Bitcoin that he says he supposedly has access to. Otherwise, I have no idea how he's going to pay that back or how that lawsuit is a winner at all. But that, but that account of 1.1 million Bitcoin, we would see anything going in or out of that account. Yeah. We should, yeah. But so far, those coins haven't moved, and it's unlikely that they ever will. So, yeah, I, I was know. looking at making a, a, a video, and and I, my my sort of outcome was like, the guy's either uh, going to have to come clean, uh, or or else he's going to have massive judgments against him, and he's going to go bankrupt right. for not being able to fulfill his obligation. Or, we're, as Graham said, we're going to see that move in that wallet, uh, or. He because I well no I don't think there's another or because I don't think there anybody's is. gonna lend him. There money. is another. There's another or. Oh. Oh, okay. The the other or is that he you remember he split the uh, Bitcoin Cash chain so he technically controls Bitcoin SV, which is the hard fork of Bitcoin Cash and I don't know how much money he has in that, but that's another again carbon copy of Bitcoin and for all we know there could very well be a hundred million dollars in there, that he technically controls but we don't know. I would not make a video. Kevin, I would highly suggest you not make a video about that, though. Why? Uh, because uh, Craig Wright's a highly litigious person, and uh, I would be careful. Oh, I don't think he would be going on YouTube and serving Kevin a cease and desist for talking about it when every media outlet has talked about you'd, it. You'd be surprised. <laughs> if this one gets a lot of attention plus, and views, I make somebody Kevin. say Sue? Yeah. <laughs> That just make Kevin more likely to make the video. He's going to work on it yeah. and release it. Now nuts. I'm definitely going to make the video. <laughs> because yeah. then, That's... Kevin, if anything, let's be real. If you make a video and he serves you with a cease and desist, that's an even bigger video to say that the creator of Bitcoin issued a cease and desist. That's true. Well, I mean, Kevin <laughs> has money to burn, so it's fine. <laughs> oh I'm tax right off by the end of the year. You've got insurance, Kevin. You could You could do whatever you want now. Oh yeah. well, and I'm su I'm super happy the creator of Bitcoin's finally been found out. What do you know, man? That's awesome. Good to know. <laughs> oh, show some love to Jeremy. <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm just I'm just so thrilled. I mean, now we know who the creator of Bitcoin was. That's amazing. So all hail, yeah, all hail, Mr. Craig Wright, man. Yeah, and Craig Wright, we trust. So it's, right. it's on each Bitcoin. So this guy's no, going down as the biggest troll ever. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting is like the cost of him being associated as Satoshi, I guess now is coming at the price of $100 million. So you either are and you're going to pay it or you're not and you just screwed yourself. That's basically yeah. what happened. We could, couldn't he always say that he, that, that those belong to him, but he lost the key. It's not working for some reason. I don't know. You could always say that. Working. You always <laughs> leave that little shred of doubt in there. Or he could say, listen, 
I'm going to crash the market if I move anything from that account. So I can't do it, but it's mine. It's just, if I do anything with that, the market's going to panic and you'll lose even more money. So loan me a hundred million. I don't know. Yeah. Well, interestingly, like he, said, he, he said that if he won the court case, which now he has, quote unquote, uh, he said he would donate most of it. So that's, I guess we'll see. The caveat is I didn't say when, <laughs> when I'm 99. I don't know. It's not, no. not a bad idea. So yeah. you're, you're trying to claim that he's not the creator of Bitcoin, huh, Andre? No, I'm not trying to claim anything. I'm just trying to say if you are Satoshi, it's actually really straightforward and easy to prove that you are. Just move the original Bitcoin. That's it. It's that simple. Why do you so, want to move Why would that get brought up in a court case is like as the undeniable proof? Or is that kind of irrelevant that like that's just not being used? Well, that's not what the court case was about. The court case was about whether he owes half that Bitcoin that he supposedly has access to, to uh, Ira Kleiman's estate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which proof that is not Satoshi, Andre. Well, the burden of proof lies on the person making claims. I can't. If, if you were to say that you are Santa Claus, it's not on me to prove that you're not. It's on you to prove that you are Santa Claus. He won the court case, though, Andre. He did, but the court case was not about whether he was Satoshi or not. It was about whether he owes anyone anything. But that's the, what I that's what I said. That's what's funny is like the way the media is reporting it is like, oh, uh, you know, uh, Craig Wright keeps access to 1.1 million. And it's like, whoa, that's already a presumptuous title there. I read that on mainstream media. You're going to tell me mainstream media is wrong, Andre? It's never wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I read it and it said what it said okay? it must be true <laughs> <laughs> all right with that let's wrap it up <laughs> all right guys you know what that means how do you prove that he's not satoshi andre <laughs> make sure to subscribe make sure to subscribe make sure to hit the like button jeremy we got to play nice andre play nice <laughs> subscribe notification bell uh, subscribe to the Clips channel, by the way. It's down below in the description. We get a new episode or a new episode, a new posting pretty much every day. So uh, subscribe to that channel. It's down below in the description. Subscribe here. Just do it. it. It'll take you a quick second. Otherwise, you'll forget. So thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.